previously on Cardiac. Episode 1 revealed how a 1-15 season laid the foundation for a Super Bowl run. I explained nobody's that bad. Nobody's 1-15 in the NFL. And we're not going to be that bad moving forward. And I think they kind of understood and kind of believed me, to be honest with you. But the Panthers were still in search of a missing piece, a franchise quarterback. Generally, for your final regular season game, your pro scouts are not on the road anymore scouting an upcoming opponent. So our pro scouts went to New Orleans to scout a particular player who wasn't even going to play in the game. I think we all thought it was Delhomme for sure. I'm not sure I heard the name. Jack Delhomme. <laughs> I didn't know anything about Jake Delhomme. I'd never heard of him. Nice guy. I didn't know if he was an athlete. I looked at him. He didn't have the the physique of a guy that was an NFL athlete. Jake just looked like a regular guy, right? Could have been a banker here in, in Charlotte. We did these Panther caravans, and we would go down into a community in either North or South Carolina and spend the day we would meet with the school kids at a school. Players would sit at different tables to sign autographs. And I'll never forget, Jake is sitting by himself. There isn't anybody walking up to Jake DeLone. And I kind of looked over and I kind of felt sorry for him. I'm thinking, well, you know, we don't know anything about Jake DeLone. Fires for Pro in the end zone. He got it! Touchdown! Big hole down the sideline. He's gone! And the Panthers are going to pull another one out of their head. Dives towards the end zone. Touchdown! Fires over the middle. Is that intercepted? Yes! It is up. It is good! Panthers have won it in overtime. Smith at the 45 to the 40. Quick spray. It's 20, 10, 5. Touchdown! Yes, Charlotte, there is a Super Bowl, and we're in it. Cardiac. Jake DeLome entered the 2003 season as an afterthought. Carolina brought him in from New Orleans to add depth to the quarterback room. Longtime Panthers broadcaster Jim Zoki says at the time, there was little to no talk of any quarterback controversy. Rodney Pete was viewed as the veteran guy who would be the starter, so that was the focus. Chris Winkie had been brought in prior to that with George Seifert and the disaster that was 1-15. in uh, So you knew that Winkie probably wasn't the next guy in the pecking order, that Jake would be the first guy off the bench if something were to happen there. And then for Jake, it would be just kind of having this younger veteran guy that we'll have to see what we've got here. And, and so really not, not a lot stands out as far as that preseason training camp. Panthers historian David Monroe. I felt like there was a clear pecking order. Pete had worn the job following the 2002 season and that he was going to be the man going into the season. And as I remember the beginning of that season, Rodney Pete was on the cover of the game time program for the season opener against the Jaguars. Rodney Pete was coming off the best season of his NFL career. Externally, he was viewed as the starting quarterback. But as John Fox explains, internally, things were a bit more fluid. Jake, for being a new guy and, you know, learning the new offense, uh, Dan Henning was the coordinator then. And, uh, you know, we brought Rodney in because he knew Dan's system uh, the year before in the first year. And, you know, there was a, there was a feeling we were kind of split on who was going to start that game. Carolina opened the 2003 campaign at home against Jacksonville. Rodney Pete started at quarterback. Former Panthers play-by-play announcer Bill Rosinski. You know, I go back to that first game, and Rodney, of course, uh, married to Holly Robinson. <laughs> Holly Robinson, Pete. I remember she sang the national anthem before that game. 
Rodney Pete comes in and we base I mean we stunk the joint out. Nothing went on offensively in that first half. It was awful. Taylor and Edwards in the backfield behind Brunel. It's the fullback. Edwards straight ahead. Barrels his way into the end zone. Touchdown, Jacksonville. Third down. Brunel again rolls to the near sideline. Looks, pumps, throws it downfield. Hatch, it's open. Caught it. End zone. Touchdown. Oh, they burn the defense. 33-yard strike, and it's 13 to nothing. I know it's a 16-game season, so you're not ready to throw in the towel after one half, but I'm thinking to myself, here we go again. The Panthers trailed the Jaguars 14-0 at halftime. To further muddy the optics, Jacksonville's head coach was former Panthers D coordinator Jack Del Rio. With the team down, John Fox felt he had no choice, so he made a game-changing and season-altering change at quarterback. We kind of needed a little bit of a boost on offense. You know, we put Jake in. He'd already earned the respect of his teammates all through camp in the offseason. You know, and it, it was kind of a 50-50, you know, on the decision to, to start Rob. But so it was it was really kind of a pretty easy adjustment, even in the middle of a game. Seven and nine year, I think Rodney Pete brought so much stability and leadership. This guy knows football. He's won a ton of games. But I think like so many of us, you kind of get to a point where those diminishing skills just catch up with you. And, and the thing with a quarterback, it can happen really quick. And uh, Coach Fox, you know, he's got nothing to lose in that situation. We got to get a win. We're favored to beat the Jaguars. You know, new coach with Del Rio being there. And it was a home game for us. And coming off that 7-9 season, we really thought this is, we're going to go out there and roll over them at halftime. You got zero points and you've not really done a thing. Defensive back Mike Minter recognized DeLome's energy right away. We weren't really looking to Jake to be the guy until he came into the game. And he came in, and the juice that he brought, that's when I knew he was a gamer. Offensive lineman Kevin Donnelly saw the energy too, even if some of it was lost in translation. It was hard to hear him speak. The thick Cajun accent, he's talking a mile a minute. It's like he's got a handful of quarters in his mouth. You know, oh, you're fired, you know, yeah. I'm telling Jordan Gross, he's a rookie. First game ever in the NFL, and uh, I'm looking at him trying to decipher, like, I think he called it pass protection. I know you've seen the video when he came in and Jake gave everybody a high five or a low five or whatever, went around the huddle. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be fun. It felt chaotic, but the one thing that resonated was that energy and that positivity, and you're like, you got to keep up with Jake. Jake's going 100 miles an hour. For me, I loved that as a young guy who was like, that was my first start ever in the NFL, and I loved having some of that energy and that confidence because I sure was looking for any of it I could acquire through osmosis because I could use it as well. For Jake DeLome, the journey to that Panthers huddle was nothing short of an odyssey. My pro career would be described as a suitcase. It was constantly packed. <laughs> you never know where it was going to spend the night. It was a wild journey. It was six long, tiring, great years to finally get to Carolina. After a decorated college career at Louisiana, DeLome was unsure about his next opportunity. When I tell you it's crickets, it is crickets. I have no no teams contacting me. Didn't get invited to the Senior Bowl, wasn't invited to the Combine, so obviously not thinking a great deal about my prospects for the NFL. Did have a couple of teams. Miami wanted to work me out. I went to a local workout in New Orleans for the Saints. At that time, it was like a 50-mile radius 
where guys could come from. Well, I lived about 120 miles away. So we used my aunt and uncle's address in Metairie, and that's how uh, I went to that workout. And I did very well at that workout. I I really and truly did really well. I was the only quarterback, which helped, but it was good. And the draft came and went, and there was no preconceived ideas that I'd be drafted. It was just hopeful you'd get a free agent call. After going undrafted, the Loam's prospects to play stateside were slim. At that time, I had a local agent, real good guy, but really not well-connected, and I was probably going to head to the Canadian Football League. And then, lo and behold, I get a call from Bruce Limmerman with the New Orleans Saints. He was like director of pro personnel or whatnot, and uh, they were going to invite me for a um, weekend minicamp on a tryout basis. The Saints' invite kept DeLome close to home, but not for long. I was with the Saints for six total years, but my first year was with Mike Ditka and staff. So go to training camp, get cut. They bring me back the last six weeks of the season on practice squad, and then I got allocated in that following spring. So that was the fall of 97, spring of 98, I get allocated to go to the Amsterdam Admirals of NFL Europe, which they would send young players there um, that they either thought they had a chance to play and give them growth opportunity, I guess you could say. Training camp for the Amsterdam Admirals took place in Sewanee, Georgia. You're there for a month when you develop the team, and there was only two quarterbacks, myself and another guy. I found it odd that he had the playbook before we got there, before we ever had a practice. You know, it is what it is. So we go to camp, I guess you can say battle it out in camp, and uh, I did well, and I would call home nightly and I talked to my girlfriend who's now my wife or talked to my parents and everything was well how'd it go I did pretty well well how'd the other guy do well he did pretty well too and he's a good guy and he has a quick release and he's accurate and so it just kind of went from there and we went to Amsterdam we didn't know who the starter was we practiced the whole week we are in the stadium in Dusseldorf we're playing the Rhine Fire and we find out an hour before the game who's going to be the starting quarterback Amsterdam head coach Al Luganbill broke the news to DeLome and the other guy. Sat me and the other quarterback down, and he said, hey, we're going to go with Kurt, Kurt Warner. Kurt, we're going to start you. Jake, you're going to play a good bit, and I'm not asking either one of you to win the game for us. Just make sure y'all don't lose it. I was shocked. I I heard that, and I said, man, did I hear that correctly? And then I have a 26-year-old Kurt Warner sitting next to me who looks at me and says, there's nothing like some confidence, huh, Jake? And, I mean, I was like, I was still in shock. I was like, I can't believe he just said that. And that was it. So I backed up future Hall of Famer Kurt Warner for that season. DeLome struggled to process the news. My confidence was shot because I, I lost out to an arena league quarterback. I mean, that's who I lost out to. I didn't know it was the guy at the time, but I knew this guy was pretty darn good. And I just left New Orleans, obviously, a few months prior. And I said, man, he's, he's better than the quarterbacks in New Orleans. But you're not thinking that because the stigma of NFL Europe, you're not good enough. After NFL Europe, DeLome returned to New Orleans as the team's third-string quarterback. He won his first NFL start against Dallas in 1999. A Louisiana native, Jake quickly became a fan favorite, but opportunities remained limited. I wasn't given a chance. Very simple. Listen, the three years with Mike Ditka, I, I, that was just kind of – we weren't a good football team. It was – it just – it wasn't right. And then uh, when Jim Hazlitt came in, he hired Mike McCarthy as offensive coordinator. And that's when my football eyes opened to the NFL. I truly learned what it was like to study and prepare and uh, be ready to play week in and week out. And so at that point, just really and truly didn't get an opportunity. Jeff Blake was brought in to be the starter and did extremely well, was having the best statistical year of his career. Gets a Liz Frank injury and Aaron Brooks 
picks. They traded for him in training camp, gave up a second-round pick, so I knew I was going to be, you know, I I was the third guy. Um, And Aaron came in and did well. With Brooks entrenched as the starter in New Orleans, DeLome had to go elsewhere to get a chance. He hit free agency following the 2002 season. My options to possibly compete were Carolina and Dallas. Very simple. There was multiple teams that contacted my agent uh, to be a backup. One GM at the time, he was in Chicago, and my agents were out of Chicago. And um, basically he said, yeah, he'll never be more than a backup. So um, when we went up there in 2006 and beat them when they were the number one seed, that, that, was, pretty, that was pretty gratifying on my part that this backup just sent you packing. DeLome grew up rooting for the Cowboys, but being wanted mattered. I knew Carolina had some interest. We had a, um, a pro personnel guy in the Saints that, in essence, he didn't have any legs. And what I mean by that, he wasn't given a voice pretty much anymore. And it was the Friday after Thanksgiving, and it's um, I'm eating lunch. And it was a little later, everybody had kind of left, and he was there, and we were sitting down talking, and he said, hey, I'm really proud of you, the way you've handled yourself. He said, "Um, you're going to get an opportunity next year. No, I'll put the word out. You'll get an opportunity, and uh, I truly believe Carolina's going to be one of those teams. The Panthers brass had scouted DeLome during warm-ups when the Panthers played the Saints in the 2002 regular season finale. I go out there to warm up, and I swear I'm floating on air running out there. And I'm watching. You, you just you kind of see things. And I never forget John Fox was on the 50-yard line standing there talking to Jim Hazlitt and Wesley Walls. Now, Wesley was a member of the Panthers, prior Saint, but Wesley wasn't dressed. He was hurt. So Jim Hazlitt and Wesley had a relationship, and they're watching. Well, Foxy is staring a hole through me. I can just feel it, and I can see it. I'm making sure every drop is perfect, and I'm humming it. And so as that go goes on, um, they watch. We warm up and everything, and the game, we lose 10-6, and it's a frustrating game. Um, the whole crowd, the whole second half basically is chanting, we want Jake, we want Jake. DeLome's decision ultimately came down to Carolina and to Dallas. It was close, to be honest. It was very close. I will say this. I I wholeheartedly listened to my agents because Dallas was intriguing to me. Bill Parcells, head coach, six hours from home, Dallas Cowboys. But Sean Payton was a quarterback coach, and there was something about him. I spent most of my time with him that was just you just knew. Um, and he loved John Fox because they were both coordinators with the Giants together. So there was a, a big mutual respect. I love my time here in Carolina on my visit. And, and my agent just said, hey, listen, if you're ever going to trust me, you got to. Carolina's ready. They're ready to go now. Said Dallas is not. They're not. Said Carolina, They Marty Herney has built this team. He said, and I'm just telling you, this is your best opportunity. That opportunity came midway through the third quarter of the season opener, with Carolina trailing Jacksonville 17-0. Jake Delhomme in a quarterback for Carolina, and the Panthers are trailing Jacksonville. Eight and a half minutes to go, third quarter, 17-0. First and 10 for Delhomme. Play action, back to throw, fires over the middle, loose, touchdown! Every magic trick has three acts. The pledge, the turn, and the prestige. Prestige made Steve Smith a believer. What's funny is I, I didn't think it was anything special about Jake in the beginning. But then when we got in the game, when Jake replaced Rodney Pete, it clicked. It was like, oh, he is different. Something is different. He was very confident in what he knew. And if he didn't know, he would tell you. Floats it up for Steve Smith. Up, he grabs it. He's in the end zone. Now we got a touchdown. 
DeLome provided a second-half spark, but the game still hung in the balance. Carolina trailed by five with three and a half minutes to go. Panthers historian David Monroe recalls the birth of the Cardiac Cats. Jake came in and put together some scoring drives for us, and we got the ball at the end of the game. And Jake drives us down the field. DeLome in the shotgun. First and 10 from the Jacksonville 22. He's back to throw. Steps up over the middle. Caught. It's Mangum at the 11 to the 10. It'll be first and goal. He got 12. 40 seconds to go. DeLome in the shotgun. Back to throw. Pumps. Fires. Caught. Goings at the 5. He'll step out of bounds. So it's come down to this from the 12-yard line. Fourth down Carolina. One timeout. 22 seconds on the clock. They trail Jacksonville by five. DeLome has his team at the line of scrimmage. Ricky Prohl goes in motion far side left. Here's DeLome back to throw. Looks, looks, fires for Prohl in the end zone. He got it! Touchdown! Touchdown, Ricky Prohl! I don't believe it! We won, and it was an amazing finish. It kind of set the stage for the Cardiac Cats. Those, those last-minute wins, different people making big plays at big times. Guys, the way this Panther team is built, it's going to be like this every week. We're not going to blow people out. we got the defense to keep us in a lot of games. And I know one of the big questions after this game is, what's your quarterback situation, Coach? Because Jake DeLome has come in and lit the fire here. DeLome threw three second-half touchdown passes, and in the eyes of his head coach, he was the clear number one quarterback. I mean, he did a tremendous job. I mean, it's not easy to come in as a, as a new player, you know, especially a quarterback, and be able to, to gather everything that uh, you, you need to know to go into a game. And Jake had really done that. I thought it was a pretty smooth transition, and really, the way the game finished, it was a pretty easy nod going forward. One is confidence because, I mean, like in my mind, I always thought I know I belong. I, even my first practice as a rookie with the Saints, I'm like, okay, I'm just as tall, if not taller. I weigh more than these guys. I think I got a stronger arm than these guys. I think I'm just as accurate, if not more, in my mind. But I just didn't have the repetition. So I always believed I could do it. And then, yeah, you have the bump in the road with NFL Europe. And then the confidence comes back because the guy you battled with till the end is now a former MVP of the league and Super Bowl champ. So it's just, it's a great feeling. We won the game, but it's a great feeling that when your team, they believe in you. There's nothing like it. And I remember running off the field and my wife was in the stands. No one else. We had no family because I was the backup. Lauren, who's our nine-month-old at the time, she's at home in the apartment with a babysitter. And it was just, it was awesome. You know, Carrie and I, we left and we moved here by ourselves, you know, with a child in tow. And it, it was just fitting. Our first game by ourselves, you know, and, and driving home like, okay, we did it. And now it's the start of something. That's what that's kind of what it felt like. And I got a phone call the next morning by Dan Henning uh, driving in. And it was like, hey, okay, things have changed. You're the starter. And he was just preparing me like things are different now. And that was it because they had made up their mind. The staff, everybody had made up their mind. I was the guy going forward. And so it wasn't like I was going to have a bad series get pulled. It was like, okay, things are, things are going to change. It's big boy time. When Jake DeLome came to the Panthers, his teammates knew little about him. No one wanted his autograph and no one expected much. One game into the 2003 season, all that changed. The Jaguar game changed everything because you needed a spark we was like something was 
was missing. I mean, I felt like we'd probably have to go in that direction. The way it went, that you know, everybody was so pumped up. And I don't, I didn't, I don't even remember there even being any thought about a quarterback controversy at that point. It seemed like Rodney stepped aside willingly and was happy to be the backup guy, and Jake just got rolling. I think personally, everybody inside thought this, this, this is the guy. Got interesting real quick. We knew we had something special, but we just we didn't know exactly. When you've got a quarterback come off the bench and lead a dramatic rally in the last 16 seconds for a fourth down touchdown to Ricky Prohl, there's no question he's going to start week two at that point to, to any of us. I always credit Jake DeLone for saving this franchise and saving John Fox because if he doesn't play the way he plays over that time stretch, I don't know where anybody is after the two or three years of the John Fox run. It was his ability to somehow make plays and his rapport with Steve Smith that carried this team. But that first game, you know, and then Jake comes in and lights a fire under this offense, and that fire uh, continued for the rest of the season. The Panthers now had a difference maker at the most important position. But for DeLome and the Cats, a flag of piracy hung on the horizon.